Hey there, everybody. Welcome out to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, as always, joined by David Durfee. How are you, Dave? Great, Scott. When our listeners hear this, they will have celebrated Christmas, and uh, we hope and pray they enjoyed the spirit of the season, and we even hope that Santa Claus came and all, all that good stuff. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Fun time of year, uh, and, I, and I'm grateful for this time of year. I'm grateful for all that goes on, but I'm, I'm mostly grateful for the reason for the season. And we're going to be uh, talking about that reason for the next, I don't know, the, all of the episodes left this year. You know, yeah. we, we, that, that is our focus. We're kind is, of in the heart of it now, aren't we, Scott? We, we really are uh, the reason. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, over the last episode and a half, uh, we've we've really focused on Christmas, so I think it'd be a good idea for us to just kind of bring us back to center here, uh, remind us of where we've been in terms of the podcast curriculum itself. Well, so here we are. Let's uh, let's kind of recap some of the important components or important parts. They're all important, but let's let's talk about some of those things so we can remind ourselves or get ourselves back in the mode as we move into the answer to the fall, Dave. Well, we're anxious to talk about the atonement of Jesus Christ because that really is the heart of it. But but uh, we need to understand why why we just kind of need to bridge the gap between the fall and the atonement and help our listeners and remind ourselves why there needed to really be an atonement. Why did there have to be an atonement? Why did he have to suffer, bleed, and die for me, for you? So uh, I think that's what we should talk about. I, I uh, think I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts, and, and I also want to say, Scott, that you know this, this is a course of instruction. It's a podcast, but we're following a course that was taught in the book that was written by uh, Elder Anderson, uh, The Divine Gift of Forgiveness, and all of this leads us up through this course. We, ta- we talked about the f- uh, who we are and whose we are, the identity. Then we talked about the fall. Now we're going to talk about the atonement of Jesus Christ and, and uh, the events and the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's going to be the next two or three or four podcasts. And then we'll talk about the application of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which leads us to the doctrine of Christ, which is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, ordinances, and receiving the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end. So that's kind of the course that we're following. And, uh, Again, we're not going to rush through through this part of it because this is kind of the, the fulcrum, really, that all this course rests on is, I think, understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ. Once we understand the atonement of Jesus Christ, uh, according to one of my favorite quotes from the brethren, Elder Scott, uh, when we understand it, we are filled with immense gratitude which provides us the motivation we need to live the gospel and to repent. I know that's true. I know gratitude is the beginning of desire. And when I always think of that, that saying, which I know we've used in the past a lot, gratitude for what? Gratitude for the atonement of Jesus Christ. And, it, and really, Scott, when we understand the atonement of Jesus Christ, it changes how we see everything. It changes how we see ourselves and whose we are. It changes uh, how we see others. It changes how we see the world. It changes how we live. I mean, really, the essence of the atonement of Jesus Christ was captured by somebody who said, he gave his life so that you could change yours. Well, when we understand the atonement of Jesus Christ, Scott, it does change our life completely. Uh, Elder uh, Uchtdorf, quoting David O. McKay, you know, in a, a kind of paraphrasing, and I've I've always believed this that whatever. I'll, let me just read this. This is a uh, Elder Uchtdorf paraphrasing a quote by President David O. McKay. What you sincerely in your heart think of Christ, His birth, His life, and atonement, will ultimately determine who you are what you do, and how you live. That's everything. That changes everything. <laughs> yeah, it <clears throat> leaves uh, nothing out. What you do, 
what was it? What you do. What you, uh, who you are. Who you are, what, what you, you do, do and, and how, how you, you live. live. Right. And I, I love the, in uh, Preach My Gospel, it says, as your understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ grows, your desire to live the gospel and to share the gospel will increase. So we're not going to rush through the next uh, part of this course, which is to try to help all of us to better understand and especially to more deeply appreciate and be grateful for the atonement of Jesus Christ. You uh, were just talking about how the atonement of Jesus Christ changes us, and and a couple of great quotes there. I love that one where Elder Christofferson's uh, recapping or requoting uh, President McKay, where he says it changes who we are, what you do, and how you live. But you know, it also can change uh, our vision or our view of things that have taken place in our life. It can change us from being a yeah. vic- it can change us from being a victim to having an opportunity mm. to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ, for example. It can change all of the things that we see that has happened to us uh, and put that in a different perspective. Because even those things that happened to us that were really out of our control, uh, and we'll talk about this as we go. Right. But the atonement of Jesus Christ covers that too. Right. Uh, through his compensatory blessing. We'll get into what all of that means and, and how that applies as we go through this. But it's important for us, I think, right out of the gate to maybe be in anticipation of letting the atonement of Jesus Christ change the events or how we see the events of the things that have happened to us that we have kept in our lives and that sometimes motivate us or perpetuate feelings of inadequacy or less than or I'll never make it or those kinds of things because it really not only changes who we are but changes how we it should change and can change how we see things from our past and from the future in the future too Dave and, and really Scott if we understand it it changes um, not just our life in general it changes us uh, moment by moment hour hour by hour i mean it it uh, it permeates everything about our life it it affects as you say our perspective how we see things not just ourselves but how we see our situation our circumstances it it, it changes everything i let me read this quote and get this out of the way and get your thoughts on this this is elder christofferson in general conference a few years ago We do not need to achieve some minimum level of capacity or goodness before God will help us. Divine aid can be ours every hour of every day, no matter where we are in the path of obedience. So what's your take on that? Well, so this is great because so often, and I know you've probably heard this too, but I hear this a lot, especially in the rooms of recovery, but even as an elders quorum president, I hear this a lot from members, right? Um, where we know that when we have this distance, which is created again by the fall through the spiritual and physical death, when we have this distance between us and all things spiritual, specifically our heavenly father, right? And, and all that he has available to us. But when when we have that distance, when we have all of that taking place in our lives, sometimes we can use that as an excuse. And I've heard it. I've even said it. You know, I'm not worthy to go to Heavenly Father right now to ask for his help. I got to get a few things lined up before I do that. When <laughs> right. I do that, then I will feel more worthy. As though I was going to talk to a bishop or a state. And where does that come from? And, well, where do you think? I mean, I, mean, I, mean it, I know it comes from ourselves. No. But it, but it, it really, the source of that comes from the accuser. Exactly. Because that's you know, an Satan, accusation. The title, he, yeah, his title of being the accuser. Right. You're not worthy. You're not good enough. You get. You can't. You know. God doesn't want to hear from you. He accuses us night and day, and just like in Revelation chapter twelve, right, where it, where we talk about the accuser. How do we negate that through the blood uh, of the Lamb? Yep. And through the word of our testimony, yep. right? And if and if we understand the blood of the lamb, we have a testimony, at least of that, yep. right? And the accuser cannot put those things in front of us with any kind of efficacy if we understand that to be the case. I love where he says there's no requirement, period. Yep. There's no requirement. No for minimum st- level of capacity or goodness <clears throat> yep. 
before God will help us and love us. I mean, and for that's, sure, that's my words. But but if He'll help us, He loves us, and, and that uh, that that I think that really takes a lot of the fear out of a lot of people if we understand it. Now, a lot of us won't will choose not to understand that because we want to stay stuck in our inability to approach him because of our inadequacies. And so there's that, that the accuser will also have us believe. I mean, we can go around and around on this, but that's important for us to understand, David. Uh, I read a quote the other day, Scott. I don't, I couldn't recall right off who said it, but, you know, as humans, it is, it is human nature for us to distribute guilt and not disseminate grace. I, I really, I know that's true. We, we uh, beat ourselves up. I, we're not, I'm just not talking about uh, distributing guilt among our peers or our family or, or strangers or others who hurt us. Uh, but we, we are so quick to distribute guilt when it comes to ourself. And for some reason, it's so hard for us to disseminate grace in our life and to offer ourselves grace. So I I appreciate what you're saying and I know it's true. I think if we really come to an understanding of the fall and the atonement of Jesus Christ that we'll all become more merciful, more kind, more gracious to ourselves and others. Well, we spent quite a time a couple of podcasts on the fall, Scott, and talked about you know, the seven, the seven reasons why understanding that doctrine is so important. But let's just bridge the gap just a little bit today and talk about really why Jesus had to suffer. We know, we know in essence, the general answer to that is to overcome the fall. But why did he have to bleed? Why did he have to suffer? Why did he have to pay a price? for our redemption. And I think that the answer to that largely is taught in the Book of Mormon. I think most people who do not have the Book of Mormon, Scott, in fact, I read a commentary, I was telling you about this this morning, I, I read a commentary that, that said, totally rejected the idea that Jesus had to pay a debt, totally rejected the idea that that's what Jesus did, uh, because we don't, we, we don't owe God anything. It was Adam and Eve who messed us up, and we don't owe him anything, and and his the debt that uh, Jesus didn't pay a debt to deliver us from Satan. So anyway, uh, without the Book of Mormon, Scott, it's pretty hard to understand why Jesus really had to bleed, suffer, and die for us. But the Book of Mormon makes it so clear, and I, I throughout the Book of Mormon, I mean Jacob in Second Nephi chapter nine is wonderful about the importance of the law. And the, his discussion on the ends of the law, which our readers need to maybe remind themselves of and reread Second Nephi chapter chapter nine. But also, Scott, it's because of the law of justice, which Alma spends a lot of time trying to teach his wayward son Coriantum about in uh, in Alma chapter forty through forty two. That I, I, those those chapters are really quite amazing, and I've always seen those those three chapters, Scott, 40, 41, 42, of Alma, prophet, per, father, with a wayward son, Coriantin, who apparently committed uh, immorality, fornication on his mission, was sent home. And this uh, sweet father trying to teach his son his need for a redeemer. And by the way, I think that is a pattern for all parents who have wayward children. Uh, I, I know that you, it depends on our relationship with our children or their readiness or the timeliness or their humility, uh, their preparation to hear this. But ultimately, in order for wayward children, or even not just our 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 own wayward children, but God's wayward children, you and me. And we're all way, wayward to a degree. Exactly. We're all prodigals. Yep. In order for us to, to really come back, Alma's teaching to his son Corianton is, I think, the perfect pattern of how he talks about the redemption of Jesus Christ and the importance of the 
of the law of justice. And I think it's in Alma chapter 42, verse 30, where he kind of summarizes uh, his feelings and his teachings to Coriantin. Do you have it, Scott? Yeah. Alma 42, verse 30. You want to read that? Let's get, get your thoughts on this. You got it. Oh, my son, I desire that you should deny the justice of God no more. Do not endeavor to excuse yourself in the least point because of your sins by denying the justice of God. But do let the justice of God and his mercy and his long suffering have full sway on your heart and let it bring you down to the dust in humility. Full sway of heart. I love that. You know, full sway of heart. What does that mean? I mean, I, I know that I've had uh, an opportunity, uh, taken the opportunity to deny no more the justice of God uh, to a degree. But what does it mean, that full sway of heart? You know, I think that's where we really have to have, you know, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, in recovery, um, it's important that a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, in order for them in order for us, I'll put it in first person again, to get sober, we have to recognize a rock bottom. We have to recognize our own nothingness. We have to have, and it has to become a full sway of heart experience for us. Otherwise, half measures we say, uh, and it's this is a quote right out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, half, measure, half measures avail this nothing. Uh, there's no avail to half measures, and that's also the case here. You know, full sway of heart. I love that. Completely. Yes. Totally. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Understand that we can merit nothing of ourselves, that we are helpless. Really, Scott? Yeah. That man is helpless oh, and, and without the atonement of Jesus Christ because of the law of justice. Right. Uh, not Not because God doesn't love us but because he is also a God of laws. And God cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Now, I'm not just talking about Adam and Eve's transgression and the fall of mankind here. I'm talking about your fall, your personal fall, and my personal fall. When we sin, and Scott, there are so many ways to sin. I'm not just talking major sin here. I'm talking the sins of commission, when you choose to do wrong, and the sins of omission, which is you don't do what's right. And you just didn't even think to sometimes. <laughs> we, we sin every day. Right. Every day. I, I don't live a perfect life, no. not one day. Uh, there's either thoughts go through my mind, or I, fa- or I fail to read my scriptures in the morning as I had planned the night before, or, 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 and... Being fallen, right, having corruptibility of flesh and the pull of Satan and living in a celestial world, we sin every day. And if God cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, and if nothing unclean can dwell, and I emphasize that word, we'll talk about that later, no unclean thing can dwell in his presence, we're in trouble. Yeah. We're helpless, totally, absolutely, completely, without the atonement of Jesus Christ. Well, you keep using the word helpless, and I love that word, and I agree with that 100%. But I think that there's even a a deeper um, view of that when I say, not only am I helpless, but I'm powerless. Yes. I have no power over, in and of myself, I have no power over the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve. I mean, I can make decisions, sure. I can make decisions to make better choices. I can, but when, it, especially when it comes to the sins of, like you mentioned, of omission. For example, you know, one of those sins of omission that seems to creep up in my life is when I get a prompting or a thought to do something for somebody and I push it aside because of my own busyness or whatever. Right. Uh, that's just an example. But helpless and powerless, uh, helpless for sure, powerless. Absolutely. And that power that is needed will learn we already know, but we'll learn how and why comes through Jesus Christ, the son of God. Well, one reason you don't have power is because you are a sinner and you cannot pay back any sin that you commit, not using the words of uh, Brother Robert J. Matthews, you can't pay back one millionth of one percent of any sin you commit, sins of commission or omission. You can't pay back or make up 
for one percent, one millionth of one percent of any sin you commit. That's that's pretty powerless. We have to learn how totally, completely, absolutely dependent we are upon Jesus Christ and his atonement. Man can merit nothing, absolutely, totally, completely nothing unto himself. We, we, we're meritless, Scott, and yet we live in this culture of meritocracy where we think that we can earn, our, where we have to earn our way. I even get nervous when people talk about self-reliance in the church because I, I think that can be an occupational hazard in the church where they think that they have to be self-reliant and pay the price and earn their way. That's not, that's not the gospel of redemption. I've, I've said this before. We believe in a gospel of redemption, not a gospel of assimilation. We have to be redeemed. We cannot just assimilate good habits and keep all the commandments and think that we're going to be saved, Scott. In fact, again, I'm quoting Brother Robert J. Matthews, if you could, if it were even possible, which it's not, but if you could keep all the commandments, you would still go to hell without the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I remember as a young missionary, Scott, thinking, you know, as I was trying to repent, I've, I've referenced this before, just striving, striving, working hard, so hard as a missionary, living every rule, keeping every commandment, uh, thinking this is how I will repent, right? I'd confessed all my sins. I, I had told all, and they still let me serve. It wasn't that I was, you know, holding anything back, but uh, they still let me go on a mission. And even though I didn't feel worthy, I thought that I could become worthy by working my guts out and keep it living all the rules and keeping all the commandments. And if I could baptize a few people, maybe that would even be a few uh, positive check marks that would help me to receive forgiveness. Yeah. Well, I, I learned, Scott, and I learned, uh, I don't know, months, sadly, way, way too long into my mission, I learned that I, I was completely helpless and I could never, ever do enough. And, uh, I learned that, you know, I, I kind of wrote it this way. I wrote this down when I was young as a young missionary and even before I, I kept the commandments so that I wouldn't need the atonement. But now I strive to keep the commandments to put on the atonement. The, every Everything, Scott, we've been asked to do, really, by our love, loving Heavenly Father is to help us to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ, to be immersed in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that his power and his grace and his mercy can save us. We cannot save ourselves, worlds without end. Even if you never broke a commandment, you would still go to hell. And, and maybe we should go to that scripture. Brother Matthews would always, when he said that, would always turn to Second Nephi chapter 9, Scott. And uh, let's read Second Nephi 9, 8, 9. So as I'm reading this, I, I, I want us to weigh the um, effects of what we're reading here. How important was the atonement of Jesus Christ? We'll get that in verse 9 specifically. This is 8 to begin with. O oh, the wisdom of God, his mercy and grace. For behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel who fell from before the presence of the eternal God and became the devil to rise no more. And our spirits must have become like unto him, and we become devils, angels to a devil, to be shut out from the presence of our God and to remain with the father of lies in misery, like unto himself, yea, to that being who beguiled our first parents, who transformeth himself nigh unto an angel of light, and stirreth up the children of men unto secret combinations of murder and all manner of secret works of darkness." And, and then verse 10, oh, how great the goodness of our God who prepareth a way for our escape. Mm. You know, I, I, so really, and 
as I read that, Scott, it's not just we go to hell. We become sons of perdition. Yeah. If it weren't for the atonement of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ would have committed one little sin or not gone through the full effects of the atonement uh, and the suffering that he experienced, we would have all become sons of perdition. Right. I'm going to finish verse 10. I loved what you read, but there's there's a, a part of that that really ties into what we what we opened up with today. Oh, how great again the goodness of our God and the uh, who prepareth a way for our escape from the grasp of this awful monster. I love that <laughs> that imagery. Yea, the monster of death and hell. Now this is where it ties oh, it's in. It's a two-headed monster. Yeah, death and hell. It's a two-headed hell. monster and death is, of course, physical death, yep. and hell is spiritual death. And that's exactly what he wraps it up, which I call the death of the body and also the death of the spirit, the two effects of the fall of Adam and yeah. Eve. That's the, that's the two-headed monster. And so, Scott, uh, without Jesus Christ, without his atonement, and without the resurrection, we would have become totally subject uh, to, to Satan. So even if you could keep the commandments... Without the resurrection, yeah, there's no redemption. There's no redemption. So, uh, and I, I'm thinking right now of the words that are pronounced in the sealing ceremony, and the promises uh, regarding the the holy resurrection when couples are sealed uh, in the house of the Lord. So, uh, anyway, Scott, I I just think that's really important that we bridge this gap between the fall and the atonement, and we understand why Jesus had to do what he had to do. And even over in verse 26 of the same chapter, chapter 9, uh, verse, verse 26, for the atonement satisfieth the demands of his justice upon all those who have not the law given to them. It's not just for those who have sinned, who know that they've sinned, and who repent, Scott, but the atonement of Jesus Christ covered all of those who sin ignorantly, who don't have the law or don't have the gospel. The atonement covers all of that. We'll, we'll get into this more when we talk about the conditional and the unconditional effects of the atonement. But it's just, it's just uh, I don't know. I think as we come to an understanding of why Jesus had to suffer it is it just fills us with so much more gratitude so much more appreciation really so much more humility so much more grace and mercy as we look at our at ourselves and and we see others who are in the same boat as us uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ bridged the gap it it every day bridges the gap it, it uh, healed the breach. It, uh, it helps us to come back into a oneness. That's why it's called the at-one-ment, the atonement of Jesus Christ. The, the fall cut us off. Any sin we commit cuts us off. We turn our back when we sin. The atonement of Jesus Christ gives us the power to turn around, to move back in their direction, and to have our relationship healed and restored. That's what redemption is, is all about, and that's what the atonement of Jesus Christ brought about for each of us. So, uh, this may be a few, a few quotes to kind of summarize this, and uh, we'll get into the, uh, to the events of the atonement. I love this from uh, President Uchtdorf when he was in the first presidency. He, he said in one of my favorite talks that he ever gave called The Gift of Grace, uh, April 2015. We cannot earn our way into heaven. The demands of justice stand as a barrier which we are powerless to overcome on our own. But all is not lost. The grace of God is our great and everlasting hope. Through the sacrifice and atonement of Jesus Christ, the plan of mercy appeases the demands of justice. And, of course, that's from, again, Alma, chapter 42, teaching Corianton that, Corianton, you can't, you can't just do this on your own. You can't come back into the presence of God or have a relationship with God on your own. 
you you have to understand the role of the Savior and the atonement of Jesus Christ and how there is mercy available to us only because of him and that mercy it can't rob justice Scott mercy cannot rob justice a price had to be paid and Jesus paid that for all of us well the price had to be paid but that price had to be paid by him that price i mean we there's no way that we could have paid our own price no, it yeah. would it would kill us in the first place, and then it wouldn't be enough. It'd never be sufficient. Yeah, it'd never be sufficient. We could we couldn't do that. There, there's so much injustice in the world, in our lives, in the lives of others, that there had to be a redeemer who was sinless, who could take upon himself because not only was he human, where he would feel the full effects, but because he was a god, so that he could feel the full effects without dying right only he only he uh i'm thinking of the the sacrament hill you know the green hill far away only he was good enough to pay the price for sin yeah so i i i think that uh i hope that we've kind of bridged the gap and helped our listeners understand Again, why Jesus had to suffer before we jump into the events of, of what actually the, the atonement is. Well, I think it's important for us to just kind of in summary for us to remember that we are subject to the effects of the fall. Uh, the, the effects of the fall are at work in each of our lives every day, both on the spiritual death side and on the physical death, uh, death side. Our, our bodies are breaking down. We're getting older, uh, those kinds of things. You know, some of us deal with organic uh, emotional problems, uh, depressions, uh, 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 mental health issues, uh, those types of things. Uh, all of us deal with sin at same level. Uh, we all sin. We all get sinned against, or, or uh, those types of things as well. Uh, and so that, those are all because of the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now, Jesus is not subject to the effects of the fall, because, again, what you have talked about, uh, you know, he, he being a God, uh, you know, Heavenly Father was his father, uh, physically and spiritually and all other ways. Heavenly Father is our spiritual father, but Heavenly Father was also Jesus' physical father, which made him a God. But he was also human because of his mother, Mary, which uh, made it possible for him to go through and understand and, and experience uh, Alma 7, right? The things uh, where he descended below all things so he would know how to succor his people. So understanding that helps me to understand that a lot of times, and, you know, getting back to the question we talked about earlier, you know, because sometimes, uh, was it Elder Christofferson taught us earlier in the podcast, we read a quote from him, it taught us that we are always uh, able to approach Heavenly Father and ask for his help. Sometimes we feel like sin. Sometimes we feel like the way we're living our life precludes us from being able to do that. What precludes us from a relationship with our Heavenly Father is the effects of the fall. Spiritual death, physical death. Jesus answered all of that through his atonement. Yeah. And when you said earlier, Scott, that Jesus wasn't subject to the fall, you're right. He had power to overcome it, and only he had power to overcome it because he was a god. But he he did feel all the effects, the effects of, the of the fall. The effects of the fall. That's... He, I mean, all the effects of right. the fall. Yep. All of them. And, and not only in his suffering in his final hours, and the bleeding of every pore and all of the pain and suffering. But he felt it, he felt it his whole life. I mean, I'm sure that, uh, that there, were, uh, there was a lot of pain in his life growing up. I'm sure that it was difficult when, the, when his uh, hometown folks wanted to throw him off the cliff. I mean, he, uh, throughout his entire life, Scott, and even to the extent that we are not possible to feel the effects of the fall because, again, he was a god, he felt the full effects of temptation. We'll talk about that. And the role uh, of a sinless life that makes the atonement even possible. So you're right. He had power over the fall, but he felt, and he had to, he felt all the effects of the fall, even to a gr much, 
an infinite degree more than we can feel the effects. Yeah. Of we felt the effects, but he felt all of the effects. Accumulative, yeah. uh, you know, all challenges of we don't have. We don't all not. I don't know a person. Maybe there is one that that suffers with all of life's potential challenges. Yeah. There's probably none of us uh, that that can say that, but he did. Which should help us to feel more grateful uh, to him and uh, for him. Some time ago, Elder Hafen, Bruce Hafen, talked about uh, the temple endowment, Scott, and he, those who are familiar with uh, with what happens in the endowment, and where we learn about the creation, first pillar, and we spend a lot of time in the endowment on the second pillar, the fall. And somebody asked him the question, uh, why, if the if the temple endowment is centered on Jesus Christ, why is it that we don't spend more time in the endowment on the life of Christ or the atonement of Christ? Why is it that most of the endowment is focused upon the fall of Adam and Eve? Well, I, it's, a, it's a great question, profound, inspired question. And I love Elder Hafen's answer to this. His answer was, so that you would understand why you need a Savior and Redeemer. That's why we spend so much time on the fall. And second, so that you would know how to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ. So in the atonement of Jesus Christ, or in the, in the endowment of the temple, we don't spend so much time talking about the events or the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. We spend most of the time in the endowment of the temple t- uh, being taught why we need a Savior and Redeemer, and how we can put on the atonement in our life. That's what the endowment teaches us, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, the the, the endowment, what is the endowment? It's a gift. What's the gift? It's a gift of knowledge. It's a gift of power that we we learn how badly, how absolutely, totally, completely we are dependent upon Jesus Christ and how we can, through Christ, enter back into the presence of our Heavenly Father. That's what the endowment teaches us. Uh, anyway, I, I love that. And in, in that same vein, Elder Hafen taught, the lot, this is a quote from his book, The Broken Heart, which I think is one of the, the great books on the uh, effects and, and application of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. Elder Hafen wrote, The law of justice is an eternal law, requiring that whenever a divine commandment is broken, there must be a punishment imposed and a compensation made. Think about that for just a minute, Scott. Punishment imposed, compensation made. To restore the balance in natural law that was upset by the violation. Well... (laughs) We we do not have we're not we're not capable really of fulfilling the punishment or making the compensation. All of the punishment and all of the compensation was fulfilled and paid by the atonement and suffering of Jesus Christ. So I hope that uh, our listeners again begin to to feel greater gratitude for a Savior and Redeemer and uh, what God chose to call the plan of, plan of redemption. We have to be redeemed. It is a plan of redemption. It is not a plan of assimilation. It's not a plan of just keeping commandments. It's not a checklist. It's not a to-do list. It's not, I have to do this and this and this and this. It is a plan of redemption, which to me says, I need a Savior Redeemer. It's really, Scott, it's, it's less about our works and more about our relationships. It's not so much about the commandments as it is our relationships with deity. And we, we can strengthen that relationship, of course, by keeping the commandments, living the standards, uh, being earnest and intentional, about uh, about our our lives and how we live the gospel. 
But all of that is not to help us earn our way, but to help us to have a, a sweeter, closer at one moment with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, our advocate mediator. I love so much of what we talked about, and I have so many things to say about so much of it. But but these are things that as we continue on in the uh, podcast that will come up. I just want to dive into everything and, and, and just do it all at once right now. But it's important that we build these concepts before we do that. I think just to, you know, to kind of recap a couple of things here, uh, that the reason that most of the endowment, for example, is focused on the fall is so that we will understand the necessity of Jesus Christ in our lives and what he did. Uh, to to uh, answer the effects of the fall. I love that. And uh, how we can access it. And how we can access it. And I love that the endowment is a gift, right? We just come through uh, the uh, the greatest probably giving season of all, th- you know, of the year is Christmas time, of course. And, and, you know, I've been to the temple a couple of times over the last month or so, and I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about the endowment, the gift. You know, there's so many gifts that have been afforded to us through Heavenly Father. And, I, and for whatever reason, during this time of year, I've been a little extra sensitive to some of that. But the gift of knowledge and the gift of power that comes through that endowment uh, can give me the strength and the encouragement and the hope that I need. Because, you know, the accuser, he'll, he'll try to jump in there and throw roadblocks in front of me and try to confuse me and try to throw, uh, you know, things out there that may make me wonder or question or doubt. Uh, and then it, it happens, right? Absolutely. But, but to understand that that knowledge and that power and how do I access that, for me, there's different ways for me to access it, right? We, we talk about prayer. We talk about scripture study. And, and as we go along. Those are all called, <clears throat> I think, Scott, Instruments of grace. Instruments of grace. Uh, we'll get into that right. when we talk about the application Ex- of repentance. Exactly. And those instruments of grace, we can start to notice them right now, though, uh, because as we notice those instruments of grace that come into our lives, that's what continues to give me the hope and the, and the, and the strength and the vision to continue on in this process, remembering that it's not my merit that matters. It's his merit. My ma- my merit. What I, I first off, my merit's pretty weak. I, there's not much I can merit anyway. But but to know that it's okay, that it's not my merit, that it's His merit. Now we do, we do talk about commandments. We do talk about you know living our lives in accordance to His will as part of our demonstration of us putting on the atonement of Jesus Christ as part of our demonstration of gratitude for what he did. And that takes some effort. It does. And and and, and, and above all, as a demonstration of my love for, for him. If you love yeah. me, keep my commandments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I know we've quoted uh, from Adam Miller before, but uh, Adam Miller said, Redemption points wholly to Christ and his grace. It's a plan of redemption, not a plan of assimilation. Uh, Anyway, and he goes on. Living the gospel is the work of relying on Christ's merits, not the work of generating your own. This is still hard work, but it is work of an entirely different kind. I, I really love that, and... I'm going to back up a little bit in that quote too, because in this he is talking about the law, right? And he, you know, he he talks about the purpose of the law is to point you away from yourself, free you from your self-obsessed burden of your own story, and center you on Christ. Yeah, that, that's it. You know, and and he even teaches in that Scott, which I love about what sin is. In fact, I think that's that's kind of one of his main points in this is that sin itself is a rejection of God's grace and a rejection of Jesus Christ because God's grace is not the result of our sin. Grace is already given. It's always there, and it's something we just have to stop refusing. And when we commit sins of omission, we're refusing to receive God's grace. When we break any commandment, we are refusing the grace of God in our life. That's maybe why it's a sin. I, I, there's other reasons why it's a sin, because of the hurt, pain, and, and loss that it may cause others, Scott, for sure. But one reason a sin of omission is a sin, if we fail to say our prayers, if we fail to, when we think, well, I'm just hurt myself, 
well, that, that may be true, but you are rejecting the grace of God. When we don't go to church, we're rejecting, and we don't participate in the ordinances. We are rejecting the grace and mercy of God. That is a, that's one reason why it's a sin. That's a different definition and way of looking at, at sin and what it is. So anyway, I, I hope that our listeners will have a better perspective of the importance of, of under, uh, the importance of understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ in their life and their need for a Savior and Redeemer. This gets us started into the, the heart of the curriculum here. Uh, we've uh, covered some important things today, and I think as we continue to do this, that uh, it, as has been the case in seasons past, we'll really develop a greater relationship, a deeper gratitude, and a deeper desire because of that gratitude to align ourselves with our Heavenly Father and His will for us through the atonement of Jesus Christ as we qualify for the effects of the atonement in our lives. And, and, and that really will become, I think, our, our, our quest. It will become our vision. And uh, I think uh, for a lot of us, we'll begin to see that as a lot different work than we thought it would have been. Work nonetheless, as Adam Miller says, but a lot different work than it It's a different approach, others. Scott. It's not just a different <laughs> approach to the gospel. It's a different approach to living. It just changes everything. Yeah. I once wrote this years ago. When we understand that we are saved and redeemed by his merits, not ours, we will worry less about us being good enough to repent and be forgiven, but rather we will focus more on the truth that because he was good enough, we can repent and be forgiven. We are saved and redeemed by his righteousness, not our own. I mean, when you really understand this truth, Scott, that it's through his merits, you begin to receive repentance as a gift. You begin to see forgiving others as a gift, not not just a commandment, not just something that we have to uh, shy away from. Or or that we, we think that we have to just... Uh, groan and work and struggle to do, mm-hmm. but you see, you see them more as as a gift, repentance and forgiveness. You see the commandments as as gifts, again instruments of grace, and and it it just really changes how you see the gospel. The uh, couples that I've talked to about who are maybe kind of, in their words, kind of deciding to lean out of the church. Or maybe even they'll they'll uh, label it a faith crisis, and they're they're maybe thinking about leaning out of the church or leaving the church. Even they've completely missed this this approach to the gospel and what what we really believe about the atonement of Jesus Christ. And uh, I I think it's just really key for all of us who have loved ones, and we all do, who are struggling to live the gospel, who, who maybe right now have no desire to live the gospel, we need to try to help be an example of what the gospel really is. We don't need to freak out if they are not living the gospel or if they have major problems or identification problems or behavioral problems in their life. We need to understand that if we will just relax and if we will just put on the atonement every day and try to exemplify, exemplify that and help others to understand that at any point, no matter where they're at, they, they, grace is available to them. Mercy is available to them. God loves them. That's why he gave us the gift of his son. It, it, it's... It's just a different way, Scott, of approaching and living the gospel. Let me let me maybe uh, read the uh, words of Lehi to his son Jacob. Here, Scott, I've always loved this. <laughs> I can see, you know, wise, older Lehi reading this to his son Jacob, uh, who's who's been victimized by his older brothers. Jacob's the younger, you know, in the family and. And uh, he says, 
this now Jacob, this Lehi. Jacob, my son, I speak unto you. Thou art my firstborn in the days of my tribulation in the wilderness. And behold, in thy childhood thou hast suffered afflictions and much sorrow because of the rudeness of thy brethren. And he acknowledges, yeah, you, it's, it's been hard. You've been a victim. Nevertheless, Jacob, my firstborn in the wilderness, nevertheless. That's a, that's a great word. Nevertheless, Jacob, my firstborn in the wilderness, thou knowest the greatness of God. In other words, I can, I can, I can see Lehi thinking, I've taught you, I have taught you about the atonement of Jesus Christ and the plan of redemption. Thou knowest the greatness of God, and he shall consecrate thine afflictions for thy gain. Wherefore, this verse 3, wherefore thy soul shall be blessed, and thou shalt dwell safely with thy brother Nephi, and thy days shall be spent in the service of thy God. Wherefore, this is it. This is really the punchline here. Wherefore, I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. Not because of anything you've done, Jacob. Not because of anything that you've done. You are saved because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. It's not that you were good enough. It's that he was good enough. That needs to be our focus. That's that's how we should see the gospel and the plan of redemption. The one needful thing. The one needful thing. I like that. Well, uh, I think we've got ourselves off to a pretty good start here. Next episode, we'll uh, get into more in depth around all of this. But this is where we begin really putting, uh, I say this a lot, but this really is where we begin putting, the, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it all has the ability to change us for the better, to qualify us to be heirs, joint heirs with Christ, living with our Heavenly Father in eternity. And uh, when our listeners hear this, it will be uh, after Christmas and just before the new year, and we should probably just wish everybody, all of our listeners and friends uh, that we've made through this podcast, Happy New Year. We, we hope and pray that, that your coming year, that you, you go into the new year with hope, and uh, we'll maybe talk about that in an upcoming podcast is how we can live more of an intentional life in this coming year and be more intentional in living a life of grace and mercy and putting, uh, putting upon ourselves the atonement of Jesus Christ daily. Anyway, Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, that's where we get to unwrap the gift and really enjoy it, is when we make application in our own lives through the intentional living of the gospel through uh, Jesus Christ and his merits. Hey, thanks, everybody, for being with us this week. We look forward to being with you again next week, and until then, be well. Mm -hmm.